When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to the Kind of Funny Screencast, your home for all of the movie, TV, and streaming service reviews you could possibly want here at Kind of Funny. I'm your host for today, Barrett Courtney, and I'll get to the rest of my beautiful panel in just a second, uh, because I want to let you know that, of course, you can catch the Kind of Funny Screencast over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny, RoosterTeeth.com, and, of course, on podcast services around the globe when you search for Kind of Funny Screencast. You can check out the show at least usually once a week because there's so many things to review in the entertainment world like the weekly Moon Knight reviews we've been doing uh, that'll continue for the next few weeks. We recently reviewed Sonic the Hedgehog 2, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, and a buttload more, but we're not here to talk about those things today. Today, we are here to talk about the premiere of Season 6, Part 1 of Better Call Saul, and to do just that, I am joined today by everyone's favorite T.O., Andy Cortez. Hey, everybody. Great morning. Holy cow. What a show last night. Uh, I can't wait to get into it because I, I thought the show was going to be like four hours long at one point. <laughs> I was like, I don't want this to end. Yeah, great. Definitely with the commercials. I was like looking at my watch of like, when is this going to end? Yeah, I was very confused by the <laughs> listings of it. It said like episode one and it was like two and a half hours long i was like maybe they're just estimating i don't know <laughs> and then by the time it ended around two and a half hours i was like all right time for episode two i was like oh that was it okay god damn i really thought i was and gonna get like a four hour extravaganza during the live segment the first episode you know they did the credits for both episodes so i don't even know when episode one ended and episode two be began but i've got yeah. guesses i've got guesses also joined with us is everyone's favorite lawyer turned con man roger picorni roger how you whoa. doing <laughs> whoa i'm doing I'm, I'm doing pretty good they call me slipping roger you yeah. know what i mean what's up <laughs> <laughs> that's what they call you on the streets of yeah. new york uh -huh. and of course rounding out the group is a special guest today everybody's favorite muscle for hire jake baldino jake how you doing thank you guys for having me i thought i'm a little disappointed i thought this was for the tom cruise mummy movie I guess oh. I missed that one. I'm sorry. I didn't get the memo. <laughs> I mean, they're I, bringing I, it back in like five years, though. Don't worry about it. Oh, they're going to they're going to dark universe. Let's get it. Yeah. Dark universe. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, uh, you know, the dark universe is so far away. Um, but uh, today I have some housekeeping for you all to talk about. And it's about this series specifically. Uh, if you didn't know, the final season of Better Call Saul is releasing in two parts. Part one premiered last night with the first two episodes, and that'll continue weekly uh, until May 23rd. Then the show will be taking about a month break with part two premiering on July 11th, and then continuing weekly until the entire series finally wraps up on August 15th. And to get ahead of the big question I know on everybody's minds, no, we will not be doing weekly reviews of Better Call Saul, but 
we will be doing book-ended reviews for both parts. So, today we're here to talk about the first two episodes, essentially give our impressions of the season so far, uh, talk about questions we still have, uh, theories and all that good stuff, and then the next time we'll be back is when uh, part one is fully wrapped up uh, the week of May 23rd, so we can talk about part one as a whole, still talk about the questions we still have and all that stuff, and then we'll do the same thing for part two. We'll come in for the, the premiere of part two, talk about our impressions, talk about our questions and theories, and then we'll be back for the uh, the series finale and talk about part two as a whole. Uh, we're uh, I, I think it's safe to say all four of us are really passionate about this universe uh, with Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and stuff like that. So we wanted to talk about it, but I think we were also realistic about you know our busy schedules week to week and not being able to, to do this weekly. Uh, but we thought this would be a good compromise to still talk about the show passionately. Was that too confusing? Do you think everybody will understand that uh, explanation, Roger Corny? I'm, I'm sure there'll be a Reddit thread about it, but mm, yeah, I, I zoned out like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know who <laughs> definitely understood that explanation, Roger? Oh. Our Patreon producers: wow. Molecule, Fargo, Brady, Pranksy, and Anonymous. Who can all catch uh, screencasts ad-free and live as it's being recorded over on kind of or patreon.com slash kind of funny, uh, which you can too if you support us at the silver tier or above. Speaking of ads, we're brought to you by Credit Karma, but we'll tell you about that later. Last night, everybody, we got both episode one, Wine and Roses, directed by Michael Morris, and episode two, Carrot and Stick, directed by the man himself, Vince Gilligan. Jake, I want to start with you. We're going straight into spoilers. Don't hold back. If, if we did a spoiler-free section of this, uh, it would just be like, oh, yeah, Vince Gilligan and, you know, company continue to be great. Acting continues to be great. I want to get into the meat. I want to get into the drama. What do you think of the premiere of these first two episodes of Better Call Saul Season 6? I thought they were great. I thought it did exactly what this show does that I really like, where it doesn't necessarily pander to having to be spicy TV all the time. It's focused on the characters. It's focused on the drama. It didn't end with like a, oh, what's going to happen? I can't believe that person might be dead. Like it, none of that. It just literally was like, all right, here we are, guys. We're going to keep this going. And it's set up where things are headed. It definitely doubled down on a lot of the plot points. I was hoping uh, specifically with uh, Kim and almost like whatever is going to go there. To me, it feels a little bit like a turn to the dark uh -oh. side. Uh, the, the cartel stuff is cooler. There's a little more action, a little bit more craziness. Uh, and it gives us good questions. The bookend stuff was here. It was a little different, but I'm, I'm digging it. Roger, what about you? I really loved it. I, I had, I was, it just made me so happy to turn on the TV and go to AMC and have something better call Saul to watch. You know what I mean? Like that was just such a, a beautiful moment. And Roger, it remind, what's up? one sec though. Did you not like also love that nostalgic feeling of whenever there's a new Vince Gilligan uh, gold product out there that they're like, Hey, also check out this other new show that's coming out. Like they, oh my gosh, the amount of times that I remember watching Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, where they're like, "Yo," but also during the commercials, we got this new series. It's like, yeah, Halt and Catch I, Fire. I, 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 <laughs> hey, wait, don't talk hey, shit about Halt and Catch Fire. Skinny Pete is in this other show. You remember Skinny Pete? He's, yeah. in the, he's now on this other show. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it was it was just great to also the, all the Walking Dead stuff. I, I also did AMC Plus, which is just like now they have the whole Walking Dead like channel. That you can watch. I'm like, this is this is a lot. That's <laughs> too this. much. <laughs> this is a lot. But no, it was just great to be back in that world. Like those first two episodes, I think, are just like they they because when you're going into this, you're like it's the final season, right? Like, oh, anything can happen. And then you start like, oh wait, this is Better Call Saul. Like it is not it as Jake said. Like it is not like this crazy moment of like of like people are dying left and right. It's just this slow, gradual build towards something. And 
I love that I don't really know what that something is at all. Even though it's a prequel show, like you would think that you would know. Oh, I pretty have much idea what's going on, but no, I kind of ended these last two episodes, and I'm like, oh wow, I have no idea where they're going with this, and I kind of love that. And that's what I love about like uh, prequel stuff and like how they can play around with that, especially uh, Vince Gilligan and the the crew there, right? Is uh, you know Nick always talks about like prequels not having really any stakes, and I would kind of agree with that in like a, a plot sense, but there's still emotional stakes I, I, I think that go into to prequels and how you can give new context to things, and they they have done that so well over the last uh, how many years at this point, six, seven years, whenever uh, Better Call Saul actually started. Um, and they still e- are even playing with that, even in the first like shot and scene of the first episode, uh, w- w- which I absolutely adored. Uh, Andy, what do you think about last night? I- I've always hated that Nick's Carpino take, by the way, of like, I don't, care about prequels I, because they don't i get where fully he's have coming stakes. from but you know but yeah i do have i mean like here's, i do have counterpoints here's the thing like i've i watched avengers endgame for the 20th time this weekend and i still cried like it still makes me feel something even though i know exactly what's going to happen i still feel tension in my heart i still feel all of that so like there's still a way to make the audience viewer feel things regardless of whether you know that character is going to live anyway who cares right like if good storytelling will overcome that sort of um, the idea that you already know what happened to these people. But yeah, I loved both of these episodes. Obviously, we're just talking about episode one right now. But I I hope to find somebody that loves me the way that Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould love a good, clever scheme. They like after rewatching the last two seasons and just thinking about seasons one, two and three as well. And Breaking Bad as a whole, right? They are just it's so st- the writing is so smart. It is it's never, ever really hit a point for me, maybe like once or twice over this whole, um, you know, 10 year when are Breaking Bad start 2013, I believe um, Breaking Bad ended in 2013. I think Saul started in 2015. Like, I, I feel like over all of these years, there's rarely ever been a, one of these schemes where I go, huh, I don't know about that. That doesn't seem too believable. And I think that's just a testament to not only the the acting and the writing, but I think a lot of the tension that they set with like music and uh, cinematography, they just do such a great job at building tension and making every moment feel like it could be that character's last, whether it's actual last moment of that character being alive or whether it's a moment of like, Jimmy's going to get caught here. He's he's fucked here. Oh, no, he said Lalo to the to the two um people at the courthouse like oh no jimmy you can't be doing that so like i just think they do such a clever job of always keeping on your toes and just like jake mentioned it's never it never feels cheap and i I think part of me was worried about going into this final season and um i'm always just worried of when will it ever will it ever start to feel old will it ever start to feel like they're just doing things for the sake of cheap thrills and it never does because they this is one of the best shows ever made and they just have a good head on their shoulders in terms of what good writing is. So, yeah, I loved episode one. I thought it was great. How about you, Barrett? Uh, yeah, I, I adored the, the the first two episodes from last night. Um, and yeah, it was one of those things of it, I was quickly reminded in those first like 
10 seconds of how well they're able to play with our expectations of things, right? The the show opens with like the black and white shot of the ties falling down. Of course, the the black and white scenes that we've seen throughout the, the series is uh, future Saul Jean, um, who is uh, in hiding after the events of Breaking Bad. And of course, like the last time we saw him, he kind of got made and he seems to be dealing with it, uh, with it on his own from uh, the, the taxi driver guy who kind of uh, realized that uh, he's actually Saul. And, uh, you know, they knew that we had that question of, like, what's he going to do to deal with this, right? And to, to, like, just mess with us entirely with that black and white shot and then slowly the colors start to fade in with the ties. And then you're in this, like, really big house and, uh, like, the question's running through my head because knowing where season five left off, like, where Kim and Saul want to, like, mess with uh, with Howard, right? I was like... This is Howard's house, and then it, like the sort of the realization when you go into the closet and you see Jimmy's old like director like outfit and stuff like that. You're like, oh, oh, like this is this is Saul's house, like being like essentially like repoed or whatever uh, after the events of Breaking Bad, and you know the emotional punches that they can give with just simple little items that mean a lot to to character uh, growth or obsessions, right? With the the cap of the the alcohol uh, uh, bottle that Kim has kept throughout almost the entire show, kind of representing like her her addiction to scheming people and stuff like that. And it lots was, of minoxidil as well. Shout out, uh, shout out for all of us hair for all of us hair loss uh, people. Lots of minoxidil there. Love yeah, that. Love yeah, that touch. Uh, lots of Viagra as well. Shout out to all the people <laughs> who, who need that as well. Um, and so yeah, just in that one scene, I think that kind of encaptured just like how well they're they like they haven't missed a beat after telling stories in this universe for the last 14 years. Um, it, it's really impressive. Um, I don't honestly know where to start uh, talking about the show itself. Um, I just want to like shout out just like I love um, Tony Dalton. Um, he is yep. so good as uh, as Lalo. Uh, I think this was the first show I ever really like saw him in anything. Um, I don't know if he's in like a lot of uh, like American he's production like stuff. Primarily I mean. a lot of Mexican yeah. uh, productions. But he is fan fucking tastic. And like the the first scene with him, like after him surviving the assassination attempt, right? And he's going to this couple's house, and he's just so good at being like really charming. Like he's just. You know, he's dealing with, like, trying to figure out who was trying to kill him, right? And then he's just, like, innocently checking up on this couple and be like, oh, hey, like, how are you guys doing? Oh, you should shave your beard, but keep, like, the the soul patch and stuff like that. And he's doing that and being charming, but you know in the, like, in the back of your mind, you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, what is he going to do here? And the thing I love about that is that, like, for me at least, I was watching it and I was just like, oh, this feels tense. But then I was like, wait, this happens a lot in in the show. You know what I mean? Where you feel like someone's going to die. Probably nothing's going to happen. He's probably chilling out, just wanting to relax. And then the the scissors. And the scissors are coming. I'm like, oh, fuck. They're doing it. They're doing it. Like, I just, I love that now, like, I feel like I'm like... Okay, maybe I got it. Maybe I understand what what Vince is going for. He's trying to fuck up. He's trying to trick us this time. But no, they tricked me again. They tricked me again. Andy towards us. I have a question for you all who are probably definitely better at paying attention and listening to context clues. How did the body's dental match? That's what I was going to ask. Too. Um, I think uh, this was a question I had. The for- dental work. Yeah. He had asked, he's like, how was the dentist? And like, how, how was you? Oh. Didn't he ask like something like, how was it? You know, he like helped them pay for it because he's a man of the community and he's like doing the right thing. And he's oh, like, yeah. hey, hi, how are you? He's hey, got how a are you? And then like it shows how that. evil he really is. It was this plan all along as just like a backup. Yeah, it, 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 almost for like the entire 
two episodes, I was like, why do they all think that he's alive? And it was like in that moment of realization where, you know, Gus is kind of smelling the BS where he's like, Lalo's still like we're kind of Hector kind of gives it away to, to to Gus where he's like I'm coming I'm coming for okay. you and uh, he knows that Lalo's alive and they're able to like look at like oh yeah the dental work uh, came back and that that was the moment where I was like oh he killed everybody went back meticulously made it seem like he was dead and then kind of like moved on because like the first kind of like moment you get of like the the fallout from the the shootout and stuff like that back at his house is from Nacho's perspective where he calls like the, the other person on the, the other end of his phone and they're like, yeah, he's dead. And I was like, what, what, why do you guys think that? And it, it was fascinating to kind of like see that from his perspective and then kind of slowly learn with the rest of the characters of like how he was able to do this. Well, yeah, they, I mean, if you remember, they had that one dying dude on the ground and Tony Dalton forced him to call and be like, Tell them I'm dead. Tell them that it was success, that it was rough, obviously, but that you lost a lot of people, but that, you know, it was a success or whatever. Um, I, I again, little clever schemes like that are just the things that always impress me. Like it every episode is always just filled with such creativity and it's it's the tiniest little touches like I, uh, Jake, I forgot that he did, had dental work done. That's just the line that is thrown in there as definitely back up as a cover your ass for the writers but it's so smart and the moment that he gets those scissors i'm like what are you gonna do are you gonna threaten them what's going on here and then immediately i'm flashed back to 50 seconds prior when he says keep the mustache and the soul patch it looks good on you and i'm just and i'm audibly in my room going no dude wow you're a fucking you're unhinged man like this guy is evil as shit and i Again, I, I think like that first time that he's introduced in episode 10, I believe, of season four, that was like a moment where I go, God damn, they picked the perfect person for this. And he's so sinister and so menacing. Um, I loved everything about this episode. And then I think episode two got even better. But yeah, I, I'd like to also talk about the the whole scheme with the golf course at the at the at that oh, yeah. uh at that uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for private uh, the country club country club mm -hmm. because at the whole time I'm wondering is this a botched plan did he mean and of course it's never a botched plan like he always assumes that something will happen um I also want to shout out all of these characters abilities to read other things while they're happening because I'm like the most clueless um you know just constantly things are running in my head and it's so hard for me to pick up on clues. But like when Mike Irwin trot is sitting there and he's like, I can go pick up uh, nacho from the border. And then Tyrus just gives him a look and he goes, but you guys got a different plan, don't you? And it's just like, how, they're so smart. <laughs> all these people, yeah. just, all these people we would not up be able to survive in this, uh, in this, yeah. uh, in this crowd, right? <laughs> I, would, like, just be I like, would never be able to pick up on somebody's facial cue to be like, oh, <laughs> shit. And for, like, Gus Fring to be like, he's alive, dog. And I'm like, how do you know, Gus Fring? <laughs> You're so smart, dude. Um, but, yeah, this, this whole uh, country club plot, I was very confused as to whether it was botched or not when he has – um what's his face be like hey i'm not uh anti-semitic what do you get the fuck out of here you know when they have that sort of brush I uh i i wasn't sure where they were going there and i'm wondering is this fucked already no he just needs to get to the restroom and that's where it sort of picks up 
yeah, that that whole entire thing was so good. Jimmy just kind of pl- playing into just messing with people, and uh, I, I forget the the guy's name that Kim used to work for. Um, but yeah, all I that mix up all their names, by the way. Yeah, and it, it, it's one of those things where, like you were talking about, Roger, where it's like it's just like tense, and you know, it's one of those scenes where you know, like no one's gonna like die or anything, but you're just like, yeah. God, like I hate this, and it makes everything so awkward. Um, was that was that the, that was, has to be the first time in the show that he he takes on the persona of being Jewish, right? <laughs> like that's yes. that's that's it was so good. Like it's yeah. just, I believe so. Like it's the, not it's obviously not the first time he's called himself Goodman, but I think that's the yeah. first time that he's been like. Wow, you're really yeah. doing this to me. Yeah. 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 That's incredible. It's a really that good, is... like, it's the writers planting seeds just as much as the characters are planting seeds. Uh, I think that's that's why it works so well, because, like, just the way the whole scheme rolled out, where at first it was him stumbling through it, uh, then it turned out to be this, like, cocaine plant, where <laughs> even that, when you see it go down, you go, oh, wow, that wasn't effective because they both shrugged it off, right? And then yeah. you see the second part of his plan when he goes and talks to uh, the, the, the two people at the tax loan trailer yeah. in the middle of nowhere and follow through with the whole cocaine thing. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah, and it's like, it's you like, don't even know these, how like, much further that's going to go. Yeah, it's like the death by a thousand cuts almost is like the, yeah. the way that they're doing it. Um, I, I, did, were... I did think Cliff Main had a good kind of reaction. Uh, by the way, Cliff Main is the... Who straight up I had to Google like, well he's the, I, these he's characters the guy with have been Alakisha, here uh, with uh, from Arrested Development. Um, yes, these characters have been here for ages, and I always just forget who Clifford Main is and who the fuck that right. other guy is. Uh, but when I think when um, we finally see um, Howard drive away, we get a really good reaction from Clifford Main being like, "Huh, was that really his or not?" Like they yeah. they do enough just to make the viewer think. This is going to continue. This isn't just a moment to be shrugged off, but it's also not being blown out of proportion uh, by any means. Um, b- uh, before we continue on with that, that I just want to backtrack just a, a slightly little bit. I, I just love the the moment of Kim throwing away uh, Jimmy's uh, coffee mug that's got the bullet hole in it, kind of like this representation of they think they've left that side behind of uh, uh, the whole business with <clears throat> the cartel and all this stuff like they he's really, dead they, yeah he's dead we don't need to think about it anymore uh but little do they know and then the the other thing here right with uh them meeting up at the restaurant before uh they they enact the plan um and kim's kind of like helping out the the high schooler kid and and, and stuff like that there's some great cinema cinematography there when Saul like first sits down uh, with some of like the smeared reflection that they have. And then just something that I, I love and this kind of conversation will carry over into episode two with the, the couple from the, the, um, the lone place. Uh, I forget exactly what it's called, but how she, Jimmy is kind of the core of the schemes and he's the source of like their whole life together of scheming, but she pushes it to a, into a direction that he is never fully prepared for, which I always find interesting. He always is breaking bad. Yeah. And he, he always associates her as like, you can't be a part of this life. You, you don't do this. I go talk to these people. You don't talk to these people. Um, And it's, it's interesting to see her kind of push that even further than I think Jimmy would even have the instinct to Andy. I also rewatched just kind of parts of the final episode from uh, season five, and there is that really small but subtle moment where he says, "You're not gonna be okay with this. You're not. You're not cool with this. Stop like kind of pushing this sort of life onto yourself." And she said, "Aren't I? Like, aren't I cool with it? 
haven't you seen all the shit we've been doing? And like, I'm obviously still putting up with you. We got married so that we could have this marriage clause. Like, aren't I okay with it? And he's kind of like, huh, shit, you're right. Like, but we have been doing shady shit, different levels, obviously, different levels of severity. But it's the way that she keeps wanting to push this Howard thing is like, and you see a little bit of pushback. You see enough yeah. pushback from Jimmy that makes it just all feel really tense and you know that like even though jimmy wants to get going with this plot jimmy really wants to plant that cocaine he takes off his clothes in the like he gets the text saying like you gotta bounce you gotta leave the country club right now they're on their way back and he's like no i still gotta fucking do this you see the effort still there by jimmy i love that it's not played a hundred percent like oh i don't know about this they still do a great job of making jimmy wanting to be this person who succeeds at these uh schemes but there's still enough there that they're planting that uh, this is kind of weird that she's into this. Yeah. And what do you what do you what do you guys interpret that as? Like, did you I interpreted it multiple times as like, OK, is he just like scared that like she's going down this rabbit hole with him and then he doesn't want her to have that? Or does he especially with, with the going back to the, the tax scheme uh, in the second episode when she kind of takes that extremely dark turn of like he wanted to give them the money and then she was just like, fuck this, I'm going to ruin your life. And that like shook Jimmy. And yeah. I, it, it's, it's super interesting. Cause like, I, I, I don't know how to take it yet uh, yeah. in terms of why he's, he's reacting that way. I don't know. What, what do you think, Jake? I see, I see it becoming more of a thing, uh, like, like him worrying more and more and starting to actively work towards this. I think it might tie in to the fact that like, they are still dealing with the trauma of dealing with the cartels and how close they really did cut it. And now that they're past that and it's like Kim is still on the playground where it's like you're the cool kid and then some crazy kid comes and he's like I'll jump off the thing from higher and then it's like whoa so I, I think I think this is going to become like a like a main plot point and I love it because Kim is my favorite character from the whole thing I I, I feel like I feel like there's some like I'm also not smart uh, but I feel like there's a you good also wouldn't think survive in this coming. universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is good. We're good. I, I I think there's like a think piece coming. Something interesting to be said about uh, the whole dynamic between the two of them and putting one person on like this moral pedestal mm -hmm. where it's like you're the good person. You're no, you don't want no part of this shit. Like I feel like Jimmy is starting to learn. Like ooh, I should have jumped in more. I should have paid attention more. And and hopefully now this brush with the cartel maybe we're gonna see a more active Jimmy, a more combative jimmy yeah and, and even I, I love the way that episode wraps up of her being like you gave them the money didn't you yeah like you fucking weak bitch you know <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and it, it, that was like really shocking to me that one moment I, I i her calling the irs i didn't see as being like too over the line because she knows what type of people they are she knows that they are these kind of career criminals as well. Like they've been doing shady shit all their lives and they, he went to jail and he's still doing shady shit. So that's like her just putting them in their place, letting her letting them know like, Hey, I could ruin this all for you if I want. All that didn't seem too out of line. It wasn't until that moment where she said, you gave him the money, didn't you? That I was like, God damn, she's ruthless yeah. right now. And it's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't love it for her because I'm, I, I guess with each passing episode, you're getting to that moment where it's like, you know, when you have like a really old relative, that you're like, when's it going to be? When yeah. are they going to pass? Yeah. And that's how it is with Kim, where I'm when's, like, when's Kim going what's, over the line? <laughs> what's going to be 
what's going to be the moment that why isn't she in Breaking Bad? Like what's going to be the thing that sends her off either in a really bad way or hopefully in a good way. But uh, man, it's just so nerve wracking. I want to talk more about episode two and all the the questions and theories and, uh, you know, themes that we have. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Credit Karma. Are you earning credit card rewards? Credit Karma can help you compare your reward options so you can find a card that fits your lifestyle, helping you earn miles or cash back for spending you're gonna do anyway. I've been using Credit Karma for years. It's such an easy way to just keep track of my credit score and make sure that everything is going fantastically with so many great features. Credit Karma uses your credit profile to show you offers that are tailored to your financial situation. Credit Karma partners with a wide range of card issues so you can be sure that you're exploring all sorts of options. Comparing cards on Credit Karma is 100% free and it won't affect your credit score. And best of all, Credit Karma uses your credit data to show you your chances of approval before you even apply, helping you apply with more confidence. That is an awesome feature. Credit Karma, create your own karma. Ready to find the card for you? Head to Credit Karma and check out your personalized mix of offers today. Go to creditkarma.com or the Credit Karma app to find the card for you. That's creditkarma.com. All right, Roger, go ahead. Uh, No, I was just going to say, like I had in in the beginning of the first episode, I, I still had that weird fan theory in my heart. I'm like, what if she's in the background the entire time of Breaking Bad? <laughs> like, what if she's just at his house? You know what I mean? And then I just see, like, you know, you just see nothing to do yeah. with Kim in, in that first. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, something happened. Uh-huh. Um, but the the talking about the whole the whole scam, I I also interpreted the way that he doesn't he, he she like kind of like threw those people under the bus of like of being like you are bad people. But that's also not what Jimmy and what Saul ends up doing when he works with these people right like he he becomes one with this group of criminal and it's it's kind of interesting because she's taking like the very vindictive side of things while Saul ends up taking this very much like buddy buddy uh side of things so that that's kind of where I'm seeing that split go and I don't know where she ends up and it's perfect of timing of that couple coming back I don't think we've seen them since season one when he, uh, like uh, that's when all that like went down and they are like kind of the perfect foil for for Kim and uh, Jimmy and where they're at in their relationship, right? You see the husband kind of being like, knowing that this lawyer kind of fucked them over all the way back then, and it's like, <laughs> hey, oh, how hey are man, you? like how you doing? <laughs> it's all like buddy, buddy. Where the wife is like, what are you doing? And it's it's a really. I, I thought it was perfect the way that, like, the second I saw her, I knew what they were going to do with that, um, like, thematically and kind of, like, showing where, where Jimmy and Kim are at this point. And I, I just absolutely loved that where, you know, he the husband was the kind of source. He was the original idea of, like, yeah, I'm going to embezzle money from the, the, uh, the city. Right. And benefit off of that. But then it was the wife who like I remember the the scene in season one where she's like she grabs the money and she's like, no, and stuff like that. And and I think that's kind of in a very different way, uh, a different, a very different life path. That's what Kim is kind of doing. Right. Where, you know, Jimmy was the one who started it all, but she is the one who's going to pr- push this further and further and further. And, and we'll have to see kind of like where that ends up uh, with her. I also just want to point out, you know. They kind of deserved everything they got, especially when the wife is like, our children have to go to public school. And I was like, yeah, you fucking suck. You deserve yeah. everything that <laughs> terrible that comes to you. They're terrible people. They're all hypocritical. Um, I want to I, I think we should talk about Lalo uh, and Nacho. Yeah. And that whole storyline, because 
I think that's so fascinating. We start off uh, one of the beginning scenes of the episode of episode one is Nacho obviously escaping and then being told by Tyrus, we got a spot set up for you. Go over there, turn off your cell phone, take your cell phone out. We'll have a spot for you to kind of chill for a while. And it all seems good um, until we kind of get that moment between uh, Gus Fring and Mike Ehrmantraut with Tyrus in the room as well, where he's like, oh, shit, you got you all have something planned for him, don't you? And I love the I not only love Mike's um, sort of looking out for Nacho, it reminds me just a lot of Walt looking out for Jesse, even though one character is not a fuck up and the other one definitely is. But I love sort of that he's taken to Nacho quite a bit of like, leave his dad alone. We got to save the, like, he deserves your respect. And he, Gus Fring being like, out. he has it. I don't yeah. give a fuck. Like, yeah. he has my respect. Cool. We still got to kill him anyway. But I also want to point out just like at every moment, it's obviously a storytelling device and it's a way to get dialogue passed through. But it's still really cool to me of how much Fring um, appreciates Mike's opinions. And I feel like the over the last several seasons, we've had several moments where news is given out. It's quiet for a second. And Mike goes, can I give my two cents? Yep. And Gus Fring's like, yeah, go for it, dude. Like he's he trusts his sort of uh, his decision making. And we get that here. Where he's like, we got to go save the kid. He's like, uh, I don't know about that. And I, I like that, too, because we're not quite at the place yet where they're at in Breaking Bad, where I think Mike is his go to guy to talk about things. Right. Where it's like when he gives his opinion, especially at the end of this uh, the episode two, right? Or like Tyrus is the one who's like starts to like kind of like look up, look at him and point the gun at him and stuff like that. Where like Mike isn't quite the kind of number two yet, and I I, I kind of love that of how fascinating that that dynamic is and how that will continue to grow over the the course of this final season. Uh, but that was definitely a, a, a moment I uh, that stood out to me as well. Was the was the switching out of the safe only done to leave that letter there with the phone number of the hotel? Yeah. Was that the only reason? I think um, so. Yeah, they. Uh, I think it was also to make sure that there was nothing tying him to uh, Gus specifically as well. Got it. Um, okay. That's it's smart. most likely like just in case that he had anything that he kept. Um, most likely, and then he also yeah, like they transferred all of the stuff that he had in that safe. But then Mike also kept uh, hidden the um, the dad's fake identity card. Right, like he didn't want that uh, to be in the new safe. So. Uh, yeah, they transferred I, over that, and uh, the the address I that love, led them to the motel. I love seeing the two uh, the way, the two ways that they broke into the safe. Like Gus's people, like they're so fucking they're on it. They got the person. They're listening yeah. to it. And then the Salamanca is just fucking ripping into it. Like it's just great to see the, those those two the, those two. Uh, the, yeah, how uh, they handle things. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they give Michael Mondo like so much material in this. Like they they set him up for greatness so much just in in this in these two episodes like uh, just him being in fear and like hiding out with the phone like he's just such a good actor obviously everybody is in the show but like right. he's on another level and this sh this whole show has been like his show in a lot of ways i think uh like from him hiding and like when he first does the phone call and he's like afraid of like farmers just because he can't trust anybody uh, with the cartel uh, to then when he's hiding in the truck just like down like that and like it was so good to him like hiding out in the hotel room all of it was like Really, really good. I, I could watch him all day. He also gets a dual wielding moment, which I think that's like the first dual wielding in Breaking Bad universe. Confirmed. Big moment for us. Big moment yeah, for all of us. <laughs> uh, I, I loved that. I mean, I think that sequence is just that is, you know, 
Gilligan directing, um, knowing how to build that fear in the in the audience. I th- love the obviously how smart these characters are, and um, <laughs> I feel like watching the episode for me with subtitles is kind of like playing Elden Ring with messages, uh, with player messages, because I saw the subtitle say air conditioner running, and I was like, oh, somebody's in that place. But I, I don't think I would have picked up on that had I not seen the subtitle. Yeah. But I, I like, again, that moment is just so smart, like, just in terms of getting the story across that somebody's in there, and this could be your paranoia. This could just be something else. This could, like, this could end up being nothing, and we're just kind of, obviously seeing Nacho go through it and be super paranoid about anything and everything. Um, But the moment of him just opening the door and looking through the window and seeing somebody cross into that little, that little crack in the wood, your heart just sinks and you go, Oh fuck. He is just, he's going to get it, man. Somehow we're going to see what happens. And just the way it's all set up. um, I, I will say, I don't, I don't love him. Obviously, I love whenever the twins show up. Like it's just always tense and super awesome. God, and yeah. you have two T one thousands just walking in the battlefield, <laughs> always walking. Um, definitely like Mister X never, style. Never right? running. Never running. Yeah, we don't Mr. run. Yeah, um, but that moment of him kind of facing off with them, shooting at them, then crashing. To me, I go, oh, well, he's done for. Like, yeah, that's it. He's I, captured. I, I thought that was a little weird uh, with, like, him crashing, like, where he yeah. reverses first. And then, like, the one of the cousins does, like, the come here. And yeah. it's like, are y'all going to, like, stop a moving vehicle? Like, what do you think is going to happen here? I just thought I, that was a moment where I was like, I don't feel like they would have let him go that easily. I feel like I thought he was going to just turn away. Bit, you know? Um, yeah, that was. Yeah, I thought he was just going to turn away and drive away. But the. I, we hear that he crashed and he got away somehow. He's still on the run, yep. which I find super unbelievable. I, I didn't love that moment of it. Um, I guess just the the end result, really. Um, but I think the way that it was sort of built up was really awesome. I, um, I don't mind the end result. It was how I felt like they kind of put themselves into a corner of like how hard it would be for him to escape that situation but that's a i think that's another conversation i do love in the uh kind of uh in that firefight moment where the cousins are like alive and yeah. you know shit is real when the cousins want you alive the cousins who kill everybody want you alive who <laughs> just killed their homie for shooting at you for yeah. shooting at him like they just shot their own homie like because they were shooting at him they shouldn't be doing that but yeah that I think initially when he crashes, I think to myself, oh, he's captured and we're going to go through eight episodes of a Jesse like I am captured and I am a uh, uh, I, I'm going to be thrown in some like jail somewhere and just tortured and beaten down. And I was really like, oh, I hope they didn't do that to Nacho, you know, um, but luckily he did get away. I would love for him just to have not even face off and drive at them maybe just drive away they shoot out the tire way down the as he's way down the road and he's able to escape that way but i just find it unbelievable that they kind of let him get away there but it makes sense with them always walking everywhere they gotta get a little jogging get a little hustle in you know it's those boots hiking boots yeah Yeah. Yeah. um 
Roger, Jake, any yeah. uh, any uh, moments that you want to shout out uh, before I move on to some uh, some theories and quick hit questions? For uh, I have a pretty big one. Uh, you know, when when Kim and and Jimmy were eating dinner together, um, Jimmy was drinking out of a paper straw, and that doesn't seem right. Like for oh, the that's timeline, bullshit. Right? Oh, yeah, like, that's, that's bullshit. bullshit. That's yeah. bullshit for the timeline, that's right? Version <laughs> breaking. <laughs> yeah, like, um, way more than the daughter being like older than she was in Breaking Bad. <laughs> the, the little girl no, Kaylee or whatever. I just want to. That was one of my notes. Mike is such a fucking pushover for its family, and it's not even funny. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I get one thing I wanted to point out really quick in that sequence with Nacho that I just absolutely loved was the moment of calling Tyrus and being like, "I gotta leave, man. I gotta leave." And he's like, "No, no, don't leave." And he hangs up. And then the other yeah. guy's phone rings, and you go, "Oh so, so my again, god, dude!" Like, about I'm not surviving in that universe. I would never figure that out. I would never Fuck think about no. that in a yeah. million years. I just want to throw out a shout out to the the Saul house sequence in the beginning. I know we talked about it a little bit, uh, but for me, I think it was a good way of like throwing a wrench into just like thinking about who Jimmy is and how he gets to be Saul because we had never seen how Saul Goodman went home in Breaking Bad. And now we're getting a look at his home. And I just felt myself watching this like amazing sequence of all this like ridiculous bullshit of a dumb home i'm sorry if anybody out there like that's your style um, it's so but, gaudy like, it's just it, like it's it's so gaudy, but it's expensive gaudy you know but like it's like well how much of this is really him we've gotten to know jimmy so much how much of this is him and how yeah. much of this is this saw like this is his actual living residence like how He's... deep does this go and then when you tie that in with kim kind of helping him even more come up with an identity yeah it's like you're starting to put things together and you're like oh my god is he like living out this identity that that she helped him craft i don't it gives me like the will he kept on he kept on taking it further and further obviously like she she's the one who was like we got to get a a nice spot of american flags this and that and obviously he just kept on going with that to the point where uh like it's almost like a zombie like he's past that point of like he's definitely just stuck there there's also the little moment where they're trying to come up with the scheme to like uh get a case to uh the alopecia man from uh arrested development um where he's kind of like reciting like a backstory that he's trying to come up with and they're all like uh he's trying to come up with like essentially like um a case for uh i forget yeah blanking on the name but those like fake scripts that he's coming up with sound like his fucking um, uh, commercials in Breaking Bad, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like yeah. the the guy being like, "I crashed my car," and like, uh, "Blah blah blah." I better call Saul, you know. And it's just like little things like that. And she's helping out with that. Uh, that yeah, she's really really pushing him to be Saul, which I, I absolutely love. Um, I got some theory questions for y'all. I got some theory Ooh. questions. Um, you know. It's been confirmed, I think, ten as of 10 days ago, it's been confirmed that Walt and Jesse will return the season. In what context will we see their characters pop up? Roger. They're just going to be walking by. Two seconds. Just in the, back, just in the background. Two seconds. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I kind of hope that it isn't anything crazy. Like, I hope it, it's just kind of just like a like a little, like, I, I've seen this thrown around, like, the idea that like, they kind of just see, like, a flyer. And they're like, huh, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> they just walk by like something something simple. I don't I don't want it to be a big scene or a big kind of reveal or anything like that. I just kind of want it to be just a little little Easter egg tie thing. Jake, what about you? I'd like to see something like really silly 
if anything, something that does not matter. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I very much like leaving things like let it go. Like it would be funny if we got to see like teacher Walt, like original OG season one Walt, like trip on the curb in front of Seven Eleven or something. I don't know. Uh, Andy. Um, I, I think the thing I'm most excited about is that like this, they alluded to them being in the show, not being like the biggest surprise, obviously like they spoiled it for everybody. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think like after... the fact that they straight up tweeted it out, they just wanted to get ahead of it because it yeah. was probably a minor thing. I think after seeing them in El Camino, I've been kind of dreading it, but then I realized, oh, they don't have to put Walt in a really terrible bald cap this time. <laughs> like he won't have that a bald cap on where his like head Megamind. looks yeah his fucking <laughs> head looked gigantic in yeah. el camino i hated that, that was right. uh but yeah he'll actually have hair yeah i hope it's like just a, a little silly cameo i don't i don't really know what you can do it's obviously going to be it seems like it's going to be pretty late into the season so i don't know if anything can happen plot wise that's super important we also just i don't know i keep on just assuming that this show's gonna end and then maybe breaking bad starts like a week or two weeks later mm. but this could go through like the beginning of breaking bad like I, I guess i haven't really finalized that in my mind yet but i hope it's something super unserious and just super silly i, I, think I also didn't realize this was more than 10 episodes yeah, this will be the first season, I think, that's more than 10 episodes, which is uh, uh, weird for Better Call Saul, but not weird for, for Breaking Bad, right? I think most of those uh, seasons were, like, right. 13 episodes. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be something, like, maybe, like, a, a not in the post-credits, but, like, a, a post-credits, like, moment where it's them driving up to uh, Better Call Saul's, like, uh, office, um, I think, in, like, season two, where they're... Um, like, I don't think it'll connect. I don't think they're going to, like, try to line up this story with, like, happening at the same time as, you know, all of uh, all of this other stuff. I think it'll be, like, the story ends and then we get, like, kind of, like, uh, you know, uh, two years later or whatever. Um, and it's them driving up to, to Saul's place to get him to represent Badger. And then it's, like, you see them for a second and, like, that's it. And I think that'll be, like, it'll be just enough to be uh, get people to be, like... I want to. I want to rewatch Breaking Bad. Kind of like that Rogue, yeah. Rogue One moment, right? Right at the yeah. end, where like Leia gets the order, like Leia gets the plans for the Death Star, and then you're like, "Fuck, I want to watch a New Hope again." So yeah, we I, need to go big. We need to go Disney with this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we go super Disney, right? Which is what <laughs> like, Vince Gilligan about is like, very like, well. Okay, known so for maybe. <laughs> yes, the only way that okay, here we go, here we go. Let's okay. let's let's do all this. The only way that uh, they can get back at Hamlin and and get revenge, uh, Jimmy and. Kim figure out that they have to blackmail a pharmaceutical company, right? And they go into this whole elaborate Breaking Bad style plot where they figure everything out, right? And they're scheming and it's great. And then suddenly that actually intersects with the cartel and something that Mike has to do. Mike actually had to infiltrate there because they needed to get something to really kickstart the production behind Los Pollos Hermanos and that whole drug thing, right? Perfect. So then you finally see wow. these two plots coalesce and then there's a heist and they have to steal uh, a pathogen right from the pharmaceutical oh. company and there's this big chase and jimmy's driving and and like disaster happens kim dies in a car accident and then that's how no! you know and that answers everything uh -huh. and then oops suddenly they drop the the biohazard material guess who's there and where did they drop it 308 uh negro arroyo lane <laughs> and it's a, yeah. it's a it's a pathogen of cancer and then that oh, gives no! cancer and then that's breaking bad 
Oh my god. Weaponized capture. Shit. Another theory question that I had for y'all, right? Like, you know, the part one, part two of this final season, very reminiscent of the final season of Breaking Bad, right? Where, you know, we got the first six episodes, waited an entire year for Hank Schrader to get off the toilet, realizing that Heisenberg is Walter White. And then we got the final seven episodes or whatever. And then. We're doing the kind of same thing here. We're not waiting a year. We're just waiting a month in between breaks. I'm sure there's production reasons uh, behind that. But I do kind of wonder if there is almost a storytelling reason for that. The show itself has had great uh, like cliffhanger moments, like um, Chuck uh, setting himself on fire. Um you know, uh, just like last season, Lalo surviving his assassination attempt, uh, Jimmy regist registering to be Saul Goodman when he returns to being a lawyer. I don't know if any of those have reached the height of Hank Schrader sitting on the toilet and realizing that Heisenberg is Walter White. Do we think we're going to get that level of cliffhanger for the end of part one that'll make us stew for a month before part two starts? I Like, I, I was thinking about this last night of, like, did Vince and Peter like kind of want us to like wait on a moment? You know, I th I think so. I think every episode in a way has uh, almost every episode has ended in a way that makes you go, "Oh, damn! What the hell's going to happen next?" And whether it's something major, whether it's again Lalo looking at the the dead old lady at his compound, and was that his mom? I don't even remember the relationships there, but just like walking by that and going like holy shit what's lalo up to all the way to the most minor things where it's just here's a hey hey by the way here's just a little line of dialogue just fucking sit on that for a week and you go oh my god what does that mean for x and x's relationship um so yeah i definitely think there will be a pretty big major moment um also just wanted to call out was it Lalo following them when they left the tax the tax place. Yeah, that's the, the that's the question I had is who's following them when they they drive off at the end of episode two um, because Lalo decided to stay down in Mexico. I don't know if we've I don't know if he's come back yet. I don't the yeah. car is kind of familiar, but I I forget if that's his car or if he. I thought it was either Mike's or Lalo's. Yeah, yeah. I'm know. not sure. I, I thought maybe it was Mike's because maybe now. M m I think Mike in his head is knowing this whole Nacho situation mm. and is maybe going to pursue uh, Lalo or pursue uh, Saul for some further uh, for some future sort of legal help or mm. it's Lalo going after him. But I do think Lalo's still in Mexico. We do have to now. remember if like uh, the very first episode with Saul in Breaking Bad, he does both mention Nacho and Lalo by name. So right. it, as far as he believes by the uh, by season two of Breaking Bad, both of those people are still alive. So I, I do think that, yeah, he's going to get caught up in whatever whatever stuff that uh, they're going back and forth on. Um, whatever he helped Nacho with, I'm, I'm interested to find out. Um, and you know, because he thinks that uh, Walt and Jesse are people sent by Lalo. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see how that all comes to fruition. I got some quick hit questions and I just want a yes or no from all of you for some of these. Because we gotta, we gotta talk about some, you know. There's, there's some things that we can kind of smell in the mm. air of like this is probably the way this is gonna go. This is probably the way this is not gonna go. Um, I'm gonna start with Andy on this one. Will Nacho be dead by the end of the series? Yes. Jake. No. Roger. No. I also say no. Will uh. Kim be dead by the end of the series? Roger. 
Jake. Green Goblin style. Now choose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a bus of kids. <laughs> Andy. No. Yeah, I, I also think no. Does Gene, future Saul in the black and white kind of post Breaking Bad stuff, die by the end of this series or is caught by the end of this series? Jake. Oh, man. Die. I'd rather see him die. Roger. I think he's going to get caught. I think he's going to get caught. Andy. I say no, die only either. because having Walt uh, die in Breaking Bad, I think, is like... I don't know if you could do the same thing twice and maybe mm -hmm. have the same impact. Yeah. I think... I'm with Roger. I think he gets caught. Because, you know, one ending with Breaking Bad, the main guy got, dies. El Camino... The main guy escapes, and I think the with this one, it's going to be a different outcome. And I could just see, I could just see Saul just in prison, just telling everybody his wacky stories, just telling everybody <laughs> everything he's done. Just uh, I also, I, I also <laughs> think about that episode where he calls and tries to get the piece for the vacuum part, blah blah yeah. blah blah blah, and he's like, "Again, how hot is it? Is it really hot? Really I got hot. made." And then he hangs up, and he's like, Never "Actually, mind. you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna solve this myself. I'm gonna figure this out myself." So, I. I wonder if he is successful in that. God damn, this show so good. It's so good. The last one yeah. I have is Lalo pretty much has to die, I think. Who kills him? Roger. Hmm. Saul. <laughs> Andy. I think, uh, I think Nacho kills him as he's about to die. Jake. Howard. Whoa. Howard wow. Hamlin? <laughs> oh. Great ISIS him in the street. I like I love it. Sniper. Such a turn. That's how they that's how they discredit him as a lawyer. They get him to kill Lalo. Two birds with that's one stone. Yeah. Um I think it's gonna be Gus Fring himself. Um, but that's I, I don't know how or why, but I, I think I have a feeling it's gonna be Gus himself. Because it's rare we get to see his hands dirty. I think, um, and so I would like to finally see that out of him. Sure, we get. Who to do we think is going to be the king of Westeros? Ooh, I think Kim takes it all. I think Kim uh, takes gotcha. it all. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the seeing the eyes, the eye that sees all. You know, the Raven, <laughs> three-eyed Raven. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody joined uh, with us today. Thank you so much for uh, listening to us talk about the first two episodes of Better Call Saul, season six. Part one um, and all that stuff. Leave your thoughts in the comments below. Leave your theories and all that good stuff. I want to read through them. Maybe bring some of them back for when we return when part one uh, wraps up in May and kind of like uh, talk about like what we uh, what we predicted, what we uh, got wrong, all that good stuff. Andy, Roger, thank you to Jabronis for joining me today. Jake, thank you for being such a special guest on this very special episode of Screencast. Thank you for having me, uh, and thank you to the kind of funny folks for having me. It's this is fun. It's been a long time coming. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the day at Game Ranks doing the before you buy videos, but by night, I'm on social media at Jake Baldino and on my other YouTube channel, Jake Baldino, where I'm cooking on a video about uh, Superman games right now and why Ooh. we need another one. And it's all because Superman 64 was a really good game, and they should follow up on it. 
uh, is, is what I hear from. Uh, from mm-hmm. Yes, Superman 64 2, Superman 65. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, thanks uh, to you three for, for joining us today. Uh, I'm excited to come back in, uh, in in May to talk about all of part one, get all the, the juicy details and, and more of the theories and stuff like that. Uh, again, you can catch uh, the Kind of Funny screencast on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny, RoosterTeeth.com, and on podcast services around the globe. We'll come back at you uh, later this week with another Moon Knight review. But until then, ladies and gentlemen and everybody joined with us, you better call Saul.